Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. It's a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of 2 Corinthians. Today is episode 468. We're looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 to 17. Let's read our passage. But thanks be to God, who always leads us in Christ's triumphal procession, and through us spreads the aroma of the knowledge of Him in every place. For to God we are the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To some we are an aroma of death, leading to death, but to others an aroma of life, leading to life. Who is adequate for these things? For we do not market the word of God for profit like so many. On the contrary, we speak with sincerity in Christ, as from God and before God. Paul is writing 2 Corinthians here. He's had a long history with the Corinthian church. He had uh, dealt with trouble in the church in 1 Corinthians and sent Timothy down there. Timothy came back and said there's big trouble. So Paul made a visit, and the visit didn't go well. Paul left the church at Corinth with a lot of trouble there. Then he sent Titus carrying this tearful letter. It's really laid it out. And then Paul left Ephesus, went to Macedonia, is linked up with Titus, and Titus has brought back a report that the majority of the church has turned around. They're really on board with Paul, but there is a minority that still needs to be dealt with, and that's the reason for sending this letter, to try and bring along the last of the people who haven't yet aligned with Paul. Now, he's been talking about what he was doing, why he wrote instead of visiting, why he sent Titus instead of him coming, and why he changed his travel plans. Now he makes, seems like a detour, but it's really kind of a a shift in his thinking. From this point through chapter 7, verse 3, he's really kind of talking about his reason for his boldness in this tearful letter that he sent. Why was he so over the top in this tearful letter. And he's, he's addressing that now. Then in uh, chapter 7, he'll shift back to kind of the topic he's been on. So in verse 14, he says, But thanks be to God, who always leads us in Christ's triumphal procession, and through us spreads the aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. Well, if you just read this, Christ's triumphal procession, that sounds like a great thing to be a part of. Christ has this, this procession showing his triumph over everything in the end times. And it's the picture used is something the Romans would be familiar with, a, a Roman procession, a, a Roman emperor or general who had gone off and had great victory on military battles, but then come back and have this great procession coming back into town. And uh, he would be leading the procession behind him, his army and uh, all his uh, attendants and and then all his prisoners, the conquered leaders and and their people. So we read this. We often don't ask the question or really appropriately ask the question is, where are we in this? And this is a question we need to ask when we're reading biblical accounts is, where do we see ourselves in this? Because too often we see the hero of the story and say, that's supposed to be us. 
And so just as uh, God delivered the hero, God will deliver me. Just as God empowered the hero, God will empower me. Well, sometimes yes, but quite often no. Like in this, uh, with Christ's triumphal procession, what part do we play? Are we the officers of Christ's army marching along with him in this great procession of victory? Are we the soldiers lined up behind Christ who've done his bidding, who've carried out his orders? Most people say, well, no, you know where we really are in this procession? We're the captured slaves that are being led to execution. Because quite often that's what would happen with these Roman processions, is the captives would then be led to the end of the procession and all executed as a great display of the power of the Roman army, the Roman emperor. And if you think about, you know, what's Paul view himself here? Paul never really passes himself off as one of Christ's great lieutenants. He always passes himself off as a slave to Christ, a former enemy of Christ who is now a slave to Christ. And if we're former enemies, and this is Christ's triumphal procession, well, maybe that's exactly where we would be in this procession as the captured slaves who are being led to execution. But our confidence is in the mercy of Christ based on our faith in him at the end of this. It's not the, the point of his passage here, but it's just something to pause and think about as we read about the great triumphal procession. What's my spot in that triumphal procession? But he says that he does through this is he spreads through us the aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. Now he's using a metaphor, a word picture here, the idea of aroma. It just spreads. Think about a smell. It just spreads. Now the word gets translated as aroma here is uh, the nuances. It's a positive aroma. It's not a stink. It's a nice smell. Cooking some good food, you take the lid off the pot and the, the aroma just spreads everywhere. You're baking cookies and that just permeates the house. So that's the way aroma is. And that's the image that Paul uses here. This aroma of the knowledge of him. And he does this through us. He uses us to spread the knowledge of him. Then he makes more of this aroma motif in verse 15. He says, for to God, we are the fragrance of Christ. Now, actually shifts words here where aroma is a, a positive sense. Fragrance is a neutral sense, neither good nor bad. So here it could be a, a nice aroma like baking chocolate chip cookies. Or it could be a nasty aroma, like rotten fish. So, fragrance. This just means smell. For to God, we are the smell of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. So it's the same smell, the same fragrance, and it's going out to everyone, to those who are being saved. And those who are perishing. Now he's using a present tense here for these verbs, being saved and perishing. So it's the present tense of 
what is happening right now? What's the status of things right now? In our line of thinking, generally, it's, I, I was lost, I came to Christ, I got saved, and now I am saved and will always be saved. And that's accurate, but quite often, biblically, it's, it's more of a present sense. It's not, did you do a thing in the past to change your status, but are you in a right relationship now with Christ? And so it's, are you being saved right now in your relationship with Christ? Or are you perishing because you're not in a relationship with Christ? And there's only two categories here. Those who are being saved and those who are perishing. There's no third category. But it's the same fragrance, the same smell going out to everyone. In verse 16, to some we are an aroma of death leading to death. But to others an aroma of life to life. Now it's the same smell going out to everyone, but it's perceived in different ways and reacted to in different ways. To some it's death, to some it's life. And the point being that for those who are perishing, it's death. To those who are being saved, it's life. Now there's language here, aroma of death leading to death. Well, it means the aroma of death. It smells like death to some people, and then it leads to death. Aroma of life. It smells like life to some people, and it leads to life. So it's basically it's how you respond to the gospel. Do you respond to the gospel as something that brings life and respond in faith to Jesus Christ and experience forgiveness of sin, adoption by God, inter- eternal life? Or is it something rejected that is not appealing to me at all? In which case it leads to eternal death. So what's Paul's point here? Paul's point is kind of some background to just his general ministry that Christ is victorious. We're part of that. But he also uses us to spread this aroma of him um, Across the world. And there's two reactions to it receiving it, leading to life, or rejecting it, leading to death. And he says, Well, who's adequate for these things? Question here is, well, What's he mean? Adequate for these things? Adequate to be this aroma? Adequate to spread this aroma of the knowledge of God? I think that's what he's getting at here. And then he didn't answer the question either, who's adequate for these things? kind of a rhetorical question, but it's not necessarily an obvious answer. When Joel says a similar kind of thing, who's adequate for these things? The answer is nobody. But is Paul being the same thing? Nobody's adequate for this. It's only through the power of Christ, only by the Holy Spirit can anybody do this. Nobody's adequate. Or is he really saying that, yes, we are adequate because of the Holy Spirit in our lives because of the power of Christ. And so the fact he didn't answer it means that the answer is not that important. And I don't think it's obvious what the answer is, but who's adequate for these things? Well, either nobody's adequate, it's only up to Christ, or we are adequate because we are in Christ. The whole point is God's doing these things, and God is making himself known, the aroma of Christ, through his people, 
to the world, and people respond one of two ways. Now, remember, what Paul's doing here is he set the background to explain himself, why he is the way he is. And now he gets into that, verse 17. For we do not market the word of God for profit like so many. Remember, one of the criticisms against Paul was he didn't accept monetary support. And so Paul here says, yeah, I'm not the gospel business. I'm a slave to Christ. And that's what I do is proclaim the gospel. So I'm not in it trying to make money. I'm not selling them the gospel. On the contrary, we speak with sincerity in Christ as from God and before God. We're speaking here to the sincerity. We are sent from God with God's message. And we're speaking knowing that God's right here listening to what we are saying. Paul is given his, uh, well, his rationale for why he does what he does. Why did he send such a, a bold letter, really blasting them for their behavior with this sorrowful letter? And so he's set in the background there of well, what we're called to do is proclaim Christ to the world. And that's what I do. And I'm faithful to doing that. But the, the part with the triumphal procession of Christ, one of the criticisms of Paul is he, he just doesn't seem like that impressive of, of a guy. And I think he's playing along with that. No, I'm not an impressive guy. I'm a former enemy of Christ who is a captured slave now, part of this procession being led to execution, but depending upon the mercy of God when we get to the end. But I am part of this aroma of Christ being spread across the world. And people respond in one of two ways to this. And I'm doing it because I love the Lord and I am his servant. I'm not trying to make money doing this. Now continue uh, discussing this whole issue of why he does what he does the way he does next time. So thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through 2 Corinthians.